Osiris. What's up? This is Ryan Stasek from Humphreys McGee. This podcast is part of the Osiris Podcast family. Osiris is a growing community of music and culture podcasts, connecting music fans with conversation, commentary, and of course, lots of music. Osiris works in partnership with Relics Magazine. Osiris. Listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth, and we are in our refractory period still of a fantastic four-night run. Humphreys McGee at the Tabernacle, Atlanta, Georgia, 2018-2019. Seth, Seth was there for the last three. I was there for all four. Uh, the band kindly let us set up, and we're going to have some interviews coming your way. We have many thank yous. Don Oker for recording all before you four jump shows. In, yes. Before you jump into the thank yous, Please, let's, yes. let's do a big Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. Actually, even before that, Seth, can I, can I tell them? Because you know what's been going on in recent years with companies and communities. Excuse me. In recent years, more and more communities are smartening up and allowing marijuana to be legal, right? Right. Sold recreationally and... and in turn, provides a lot of tax revenue for schools, infrastructure, and a sea of other things. You can just ask Colorado if you don't believe me. But with this change has come innovation in packaging, one example being better containers for doobies and edibles. And there are a lot of other useful in- in- innovations, and we have Kushko to thank, and that's our new sponsor. Kushko Holdings is a publicly traded company under the ticker KSHB. That's KSHB, and the parent to innovative cannabis industry leaders such as Kush Supply Company, Kush Energy, The Hybrid Creative, and Kaleido Packaging Solutions. Kushco is a company poised to meet the evolving needs of the rapidly growing cannabis industry. And if you need proof, <laughs> Kushco Coolings has now sold more than a billion units and sells to more than 5,000 legally operated medical and adult use dis- dispensaries, growers, and producers across North and South America and Europe. So, so do me a favor. Go to kushko.com slash podcast to learn more about this. Incredible. How do you spell that, Rob? It's K-U-S-H-C-O dot com slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T. It's an incredible and supremely cutting edge company, folks. Look into them. And I got to say that while they while Kushko services all facets of the cannabis industry, it has no direct involvement with the cannabis plant or any products that contain THC or CBD. Kushko.com slash podcast. Under the checker KSHB. And by the way, Pole Clark, Seth, can you get it right this time? Well, I could tell you, don't. if you want to get it right, 
Don't because get- it's 2019, folks. Can I do it this year? It's 2019. If you want to get it right, don't wait till April and get and, screwed. And get Polade. Polade Clark, finance folks that care. They're based in Atlanta. They do a lot of entertainment and athletes, and they care, and they will help you out. Give them a call. Look them up. Polade Clark. Excellent company. And now Rob will continue giving you his list of thank yous. It's like, seriously, it's like a Christmas list here. All right, uh, so you're listening to Turner without Seth. Here you go. <laughs> That's a little mean, dude. Come on now. Uh, yeah, Don Oker taped all four nights, and uh, we have him to thank because that was uh, how I did uh, the research. Even though I was at the shows, I had to re-listen to him, particularly New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve was a complete different thing than the night. Uh, not complete, but a lot of different vibes. But Chris Mitchell for having the room sounding really good. Jefferson Waffle adding circles to his light show. Lighting up the room beautifully at his best during the improvisation, in my humble opinion. Bobby Haight, Kevin Browning, everybody with the Umphreys McGee organization. So we are going to start with December 28th. Seth did not make the show. Why did you not make the show, Seth? I caught a cold and I uh, stayed in that night oh, <clears throat> watching. Um, what did I watch? I was been watching. So I've been, been, you know, around Christmas. Christmas came and on Christmas I... Uh, I started binge watching the Goldbergs, which basically to me is like the Wonder Years for my parents, but like my Wonder Years, you know what I mean? Uh, TV show Jeff Garland. It's really funny. Uh, I watched some of it. Some of it was really good. I'm, I'm binging it. I've been the, like really watching it. So I, I, I had a cold, and the dialogue and can get a little unnatural, make it seem a little forced. But the acting's really good. Pretty cool show. Sorry. Yeah, that's, and that helped so, you get over the cold, so that you were you were with us for the next stream. I wanted to be able to do those nights, and I'm glad I did. Well, they didn't. They I thought they'd start the run with one of their scene setters, but they really didn't. They just jumped right into Dump City. Did a great version of Dump City. Um, out of order, which is used to be a clamored for one. I don't know they've they've uh, started playing it a lot, but it dropped into Higgins, and then right away, then I knew we were in for a lot of improv because right they just dropped deep into improv right at that point in Higgins. In the you know when they left the second or whatever the second verse, that was pretty cool. This was that Leo? No, that's uh, my dog Rusa, who's under your foot, who's kind of like enjoying the comfort of being warm, but also scared shitless you're gonna fall on her. Well, then why would why would she be right out there if she's because scared she needs attention? Some women like attention like that. But I think if a woman was really scared, she'd probably be in another part of the room. You would think so, but they stay in relationships much longer than they probably should. <laughs> I think I know that. But uh, by the way, 2018 was a great year for the band. They released uh, It's Not Us, and then they released It's You, two studio albums. It's Not Us seems to have given us more of the live vehicles, whereas It's You is one of my favorite Humphreys albums ever. But I don't really find those songs are really working that well live yet, like Triangle Terror they played tonight. I love this song. I don't really know if it's working that well as a live thing yet. But they went into August. The, The rest of the set is phenomenal. Just absolutely killer version of a very kind of emo Bela song called August that had really strong improv, strong resolve, and then settled into Blue Echo, which was psychedelic, dude. Psychedelic, beautiful Blue Echo with Humphreys taking their time, laying low, silencing the room, and then in the black, brought it to home to end the first set. More jam- jamming came out in the second set with Bridgeless, which... I never get sick of hearing that. Once I hear that, it gives me a lift. That's the, end, the opening bars to this song that I had the great praise of watching them walk through back at House of Blues in Chicago a long time ago, watching them throw ideas off each other and watching the creative process at work. Um, Pretty, pretty cool stuff. Let's see. Uh, Example one. Our boy Joel. We're a guitar- example of what? We're we're a guitar heavy band, but Joel definitely. You, well, I'm confused. So you said example one, like that is one of their songs. Okay, I thought you were yes. like actually giving an example. Example one. I thought you're trying to. No, they, they came out okay. of Bridges. Stretched, I got you. I then they get were... then uh, example one. They stretched on that. Some really nice Joel playing. Some really. I thought the Floyd cover was going to come in here because they we did get a little Floyd later, but it felt like Pink Floyd was coming. But then 40s theme with the. Um, Wave the I'm a rock star flag by commenting about how you don't know what day it is. Which one? I think Brennan did that. <laughs> the 40 seem often you get to the end, you get like a straight Bayless solo, but they kind of took their time moving into it and then more of an aggressive Bayless solo, I thought, than in other versions. 
and um, Much Obliged was one of the highlights of the weekend. That was the next one. Again, all of these songs, this set, are jammed out. My favorite was when uh, when um, Adam made the video. Oh, wait, no. Never mind. That's not part of the show. That was part of the show I was seeing. Oh, right, right. <laughs> much Obliged for that comment. But no, Much Obliged, again, they are stretching out, uh, you know... <laughs> So I th- think this being night one, though, of a four night run, it really was, was it for a, the hardcore. Were you saying it was? A- I thought it was for the hardcore. They were really straight, like they even got a little was mystical it- with the blue echo, and um, they, they were like really taking their time, really being patient. I thought I'm not going to say. Well, lead most a- of the nights were sold out. Was this night sold out? Or no, was it very- I, don't, I don't know if was they were it, sold was, out. Was I think it just Saturday out? and New Year's Eve were sold out? Was it full? Like all three balconies up? Yes, it was five? pretty full. But I just I think they were you know five four or five hundred away from sellout or something. Pretty pretty impressive four night draw, if you ask me. Um, but uh, 40s theme is just such a fun song every time it tends to be a set closer they plopped it in the middle it's kind of like hearing uh, split open in the mouth mid set Seth JTP um, and then Wife Soup which is a personal favorite of mine a song I can really relate to got some really cool Stasic embellishments the, the whole night that was another thing Stasic was doing this slide this like not sl- like a slide but he would like slide up and down the bass was doing was this. it a fretless bass uh, I'm not sure. I was far away. I was up in the balcony or something, wasn't I? Maybe I'm not sure where I was. I didn't get that good a look at it. But Wife Soup, I always love Wife Soup. It's a multi-section song. And then they ended with Time, which um, also worked in Breathe Reprise and On the Run a little bit. Uh, it's a Pink Floyd cover. I, I went to the bathroom, and I'm not not there to share her Pink Floyd covers. And I just, I held, had to hold it in, dude. Everything was stretched out. There was no bathroom break that whole set until the Floyd cover. Then I had to go. You weren't even drinking that night, were you? No, no. Just eating your First edibles. two nights, sober. Oh, so you Maybe, were completely sober. Oh, wait a minute. I might have had an edible. I don't know. Okay, In the Kitchen Encore. That is their biggest hit today. T- still to date, isn't it? They won a jammy for that song, Seth. <laughs> In Chicago. Um, that went into the most trippy version of Carol of the Bells. I don't know if it's a version, but they kind of eased into Carol of the Bells, which is a Goyam thing. Is and it like Prelude to Jingle Bells or like? It's uh, on the Nutcracker, I think. So it reminds me of my mother because we she was quite a Nutcracker, huh? Well, early on in her life, not uh, not later in her life. But we used to listen to the Nutcracker, the whole thing, every Christmas. Um, <laughs> RJ's calling us now. I'll call you back, RJ. And that went into Bridgeless to end the show. That's the 28th. Okay, now we're about to call Sarah from the Umfreak Parents podcast because she... Uh, she attended this. We're going to run through the 29th. But in the afternoon, there was a day set, an intimate Humphrey set. And you and I were working. Well, paint the picture. So now this is the this is on the 30th. And uh, we arranged some interviews for the 30th, uh, for the 29th. Wait. Yeah. Hold on. The well, we did one with 30th. Isaac on the 29th. Right, and so then the, the band let us when... set up on the 30th. That's why oh, the first two nights right. I, I was so tame. 29th, we came in and um, we, we hung out to... Uh, Talk with Talk, Isaac from Talk. See if you can guess the title of the first song, Seth. Gargle? Close. See if you can guess. It's Gurgle. Oh. It's one of those scene setters. Okay. Very nice. And then right into Jajunk. Jajunk. This is the, you're, you're now, you're talking about the eve of the 29th, right? We are at night and 29th. We will dial back to the 29th because we're going to split it up right in the middle. We're going to have Sarah time. But uh, Dejunk was pretty cool. Went into Upward, which is one of my favorite songs. But it was kind of a straight version. But Upward, when I first started at St. Augustine at my bachelor party, was the highlight of the weekend. I love that song. I'd love to see Onward and Upward someday. Um, I will say, though, before even that set begun, Talk did a great job of setting up the room, getting it a good vibe. It was Saturday night, which uh, added to... Added to some of the flavor of the night. And I say that in terms of it was a crowded house, but people were there early for talk. They were ready and, and people were there. And then also it being a Saturday night, not even thinking about the fact that it's the New Year's run, just being the fact it was a Saturday night. Anyone that maybe was going to Widesford Panic for New Year's or whatever they were doing for New Year's, maybe they also jumped over and did the efforts. It gave it a chance. Having that on the Saturday night definitely added a lot of bodies in that room. Absolutely, and a lot of people seeing their first Humphrey show 
on Saturday and on New Year's. But um, so Upper goes into two by two, one of one of Bayless's signature pieces, and this one was gorgeous. Ryan Stasek was playing beautifully on bass. Jake took us on a ride. They stretched this one out for a while, Seth. This was clearly the highlight of this set, even though immediately after it, their sort of moody instrumental. I'm not even looking at my notes, man. I took all these notes. I'm not even looking at them. But this Stinko's Ascension is the next song, and it's one that I haven't really warmed up to until this version. It's kind of a moody and adventurous um, instrumental. It, it can feel like uh, Motley Crue at one point. It can feel it's kind of peaceful at one point, and then it ends in classic Bayless fashion. But Jake Sinegar really took them from a whisper to a roar with some spectacular guitar work at one point. Um, yeah, here, here. Can I go back to two by two? Two by two. Here's my notes on two by two. Gloriously extended. Best interplay of the night between three axemen being the front three, Jake, Brendan, Ryan. I love when they brought it down to this quiet, bubbly cauldron, which spun off into some really ethereal shit. Then it returns to the loping, swirling tornado of sound portion of the song that resolves in sweet relief fashion, and there's classic umph wizardry to bridge you back to the song. You Humphreys fans, if you're trying to woo people to this band, 2 by 2 is a good one for it. 2 by 2 is Humphreys McGee. So then Stinko's Ascension, and then Joel stepped up and sang Band on the Run, the Paul McCartney staple, and maybe someday ended the set. Maybe somebody had J.O. on the set list, Seth, which means Jazz Odyssey, which means they had intended to stretch it out, but perhaps they were looking at the clock and they figured, I guess two by two, they went so far out there that they decided to to just do a straight maybe someday. But I like maybe someday. That was really good. Highlight of the show, second set, Seth Weiner dancing in the aisle, in the balcony, for the floor, Whoppy Sprayberry, Remind Me. Remind me is kind of a medley song, and Seth was dancing to it, and Plunger later too. Seth dancing to these metal side of Humphreys. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. I was also to note sober that night. Well, you know, that's a th- I still wasn't feeling a hundred percent, and we were looking at going back. We were, you know, like t- there was going to be ca- talking McGee that night, and there was just it was a it was a bunch of friends in town, and all the different stuff going on in town. We we're all going to meet up and. It's just like, you know, tomorrow, the next day, we had Jake on the books. We had uh, Chris Myers. We had um, Corey Wong, which didn't, didn't work, work out, out but we'll get with him again. Uh, and Jeff a couple- Coffin. We the Jeff ta- Coffin. Yep. yep. And we were going to talk to Robbie Williams. That didn't work out. We did talk to Louie, and we get his um, um freak to um employee story. But, but go we, ahead. we took it for real, though. We're, you know, it was nice. It was one of these refreshing moments of, you know what? We, we wanted to go out, but. Eh, just call it a night so that we could we could be fresh. For Here's the, next the way day. I'll put it: If Humphreys McGee is going to let you set up backstage and do interviews, you better fucking do a good job on the interviews, or you're wasting their time, your time, the musicians' time. So that was the attitude we took into it. But but getting back, Jake had some sort of guitar issues, but then they um, they played the floor, which had a nice perk drum breakdown and some stretching that seemed spontaneous, and then the improv coming out of it was the first of two times this set where Stasek, Ryan, bassist, uh, went into the talkback and said something. We discussed it in the Jake interview, uh, and it took a whole turn. And uh, and then they end up in Wappy. Wappy Sprayberry is one of my most endearingly favorite Humphreys songs to see live. It has great energy and feel. And um, this improv, you couldn't really tell who was leading the improv first it seemed like Bayless then it seemed like Jake and then Bayless seemed to cue, cue the resolve of the jam but in the middle of the jam as we talk about in the interview Ryan says something and then started this bass pattern that gave the jam its flavor and its most uh, unique feel uh, Wappy Sprayberry wonderful and then remind me a song that was birthed in the tabernacle that was kind of a neat thing they told, uh, because you you jumped on that ahead of time when as soon as you heard it coming and then Brendan also brought that whole the whole story up. Well, because I I love the improv with Humphreys, but I'm not as astute as some of these people I read read on the board. I can't cough it back up as well, you know. But January one of the only time they ever played on January one at the Tabernacle that year, I do remember that improv. I do remember him hitting that riff. It's like one of those things that's stuck in my head. So that song has particular meaning to me, not just because it was in Atlanta, but it was improv that I didn't have to listen to three or four times to get the lick in my head. You know what I mean? Pretty cool. YYZ, 
We talked to Myers about this drum solo because while there's always a drum solo in YYZ, the Rush covered classic Rush song, he definitely took a different and very cool approach to that one. Yeah, that that was fantastic. Also, he had a great shirt on that night. It really worked well with Waffles lighting. And we didn't get to talk to him about that, did we? Uh, well, you have to listen to the interview to find out, won't you? Because the Myers interview got a little truncated, but we will have him on again. I'm half delayed. Another one from It's Not Us. That does pretty well live. Then instead of going Den Plunger, Den, which is kind of a dance party one, which starts with a uh, Joel pattern. If you're going to, there you go. Okay. They go Plunger, which is one of their most ass-kicking songs, and had you dancing like up and down the stairs and stuff. It was great to see Seth do that. I don't remember that, but okay. I remember dancing, but I don't remember. I don't. Make, it, it, I mean. it just Den was a weird set closer to follow Plunger. It seemed a little bit of a letdown, even though it's a beautiful, great song and all that. And then the wait around, which is a, one of Bayless's most affecting songs, and then they finished predictably finished Jajunk, one of uh, Jake's signature pieces. Okay, I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. Here we go. We have an Osiris Pod teammate who is going to join us. We're going to try to call her live. We're going to do it on my phone. Yep, we can do it on your phone. It's just really funny though that here, Rob, like today, he's like, "Oh, hey, you know, we're talking about maybe doing this episode," and then he's like, "Oh, we can call." Um, well, I wanted Dan Delaney first because I, I like to do a podcast with him sometime, and he's a very astute guy, but he's he's short on time. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, Sarah. Sarah was in town." I right, but. We should have we should have connected with Sarah, knowing that there was an Osiris fellow. Oh, I did. I met her. I hung out with her at the yeah. at the this uh, pre show that we okay. talk about. Yeah, I had no clue. You're elusive, Seth. You know, you're an industry person. Okay, let's try to call Sarah Yashimak of the Umfreeze. Is it Umfree? It's Umfreak's parents podcast. Let's see if we can pull this off, people. Now I just put it like this, right, Seth? That's right, Rob. And she'll hear us there. As long as you talk. As long as you talk. I feel like we're dialing for dollars. Hello? Hey, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Jashimak. Am I saying it right? (laughs) Jashimak. Jashimak. There you go. There it is. Awesome. Welcome to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. We're so glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am super happy to be here with you guys. And before we uh, talk about all the, uh, before we talk about Humphreys, um, why don't you briefly introduce your podcast to our listeners? Um, my podcast is the Umfreak Parents Podcast. Um, and side note, you do not have to be a parent to enjoy it. Um, we do talk about some parenting things with some of my guests, but mostly we talk about all things Umphreys McGee. Um, yeah, my show is fairly new. I'm very new to the podcasting, but I've already had some pretty amazing guests on my show. Um, let's see. I've had Jake's mom, Julie, on. That was episode 16. I've that heard that. That's fun. Awesome. That's fun. Yeah, that that was very cool to talk to her and, you know, kind of learn more about Jake's childhood and what it was like to raise him and, you know, stuff like that. She's she's a very cool lady. Um, and I got to interview Joel this year, uh, well, 2018, um, which was very awesome. That was episode 22. So that was cool. Got to uh, chat with him right before he had his baby. So uh, a little bit about you know, kind of what he expected from fatherhood. And we will be chatting sometime in 2019 um, to kind of catch up and see what it's been like being a dad for him. So very excited for that. And I imagine Ryan Stasek is on your wish list. He's he's a, definitely into the whole parenting thing. we got to get him on yeah, your show. Yes, um, yes. Um, I've actually had an interview with Mary, uh, Ryan's wife, which was episode eight, and that was really awesome to... Um, you know, get a perspective, you know, from her point of view of, you know, being married to somebody in the band and, you know, having kids with him and how that's changed their life. And, you know, it's, it's really cool to get all these different, uh, kind of perspectives of their life, you know, being parents and, you know, or being married and, you know, still having the job that they do. So that's, that's kind of my thing that I really wanted to bring to the community was, 
you know, the more, I guess, like human side of them, um, you know, because when we see them, I mean, it's, you know, they're total rock stars. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to see how they, you know, are with their families and stuff. They're such rock stars, they forget what day of the week it is. It's like amazing. <laughs> Well, thanks to them and the amazing weekend that I just had, I don't know what day it is. So. Exactly. I've been thinking it was Friday all day today, and then I found out in the mid-afternoon that it was Thursday. It's a like, Thursday, but it feels like a Saturday. It feels like, well, yeah. I kept thinking it was Monday. <laughs> yes, yeah, All right, so you're going to give us your top five moments, but first, I'd like to talk about the intimate, as I say, VIP set, which, yes. I don't know, it's a tough thing with the VIP, because... They want it's a, VIP is a great thing to provide these special intimate moments, but you don't want the fans to feel left out and feel like they've missed anything. So what Umphreys does is they put video on Facebook, right? So you can watch the, anyone who doesn't feel like paying for this VIP set can at least see it at the Umphreys McGee Facebook page. But go ahead. They started. You, how did you get your tickets? Uh, was it easy to wait, get get in there? Um, tell us about your experience. Um, well, with the VIP set, I will say it's, you know, for anybody that's not totally sold on purchasing a VIP package, I recommend you do it at least once. Um, my husband and I, we don't do the VIP packages when it's a show that's, you know, fairly close to us. Um, we live about 14 hours away from Atlanta, so obviously it was a big deal. It was New Year's. Um, it's totally worth it for so many reasons, but especially for the VIP side, it's very cool to, you know, be able to just basically walk up to the venue, um, cause there's not very many people. Um, this one was actually the most in attendance. Um, I've done a couple of VIP, um, sets and this was the one with the most people in attendance, which is really cool to see, you know, their, their program, you know, people are really into it. Um, but I like it because of the, like, the intimateness of it because you're not going to get that anymore um, with how big their their fan base is now. So it's kind of cool to get, you know, that intimateness that you would have had, you know, 15 years ago or something. Um, you know, so that is very cool. And, you know, having, it's, it averages about five, five to six, songs usually um this set was five songs so you know it's basically just them jamming most of the time you know i'm honestly i'm waiting for when they only do like two really long songs because that would be <laughs> honestly that would be amazing i would love every second of it i would not complain at all um but i i love them i know some people um kind of so, think it's snooty when you say you're going to the vip set you know they're like oh vip set maybe um, if they called it the very improvisational people instead of very important people maybe it'd be more accepting yeah i think so and and i think too it's because of it being so much more intimate i think that they are able to you know feed off of the crowd in a, in a different way you know because they're not such a huge group of people you know they're more of aware of what people's reactions are because there's only like 50 of them <laughs> you know so it's it's so much more different like the interaction right like St Stasek pointed out a mohawk bayless was making fun of a clemson fan that kind of stuff right 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 you know so i think like like again you know you get that you know that feel that when you're listening to like older shows and you know, I mean, obviously, there's still, you know, banter and everything, you know, even New Year's Eve when the place was packed. But, you know, it's just, it's just different when you have, you know, the more, like, intimate setting. And, you know, it's nice to be able to be up close, you know, because they just have everybody on the floor. And, you know, you're not all crammed in there, which is, you know, sometimes it's kind of nice to have, you know, some room to dance and move around and, you know, enjoy your beverage and, you know, just be, you know, in that moment and not have a bunch of people like right up on you. So, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. It's, it's really awesome. And I generally look at the set list for the full shows because I like when the room is bulging with umph love. But this yeah. set list looks pretty cool. Speak Up and then a trio of The Fuzz and a Thin Air and a Kimball and then Ringo, which I don't mind them not. I've just have seen Ringo a lot. I love Ringo, but. The other four yeah. seem all kind of like nuggets, kind of like chestnuts that they gave you, right? 
for sure, absolutely. And I um I was super excited to see the fuzz. That was one that I was like I really went into the weekend wanting to see. Um, you know, and it's funny, side note, after I talked to Joel during our interview, you know, he mentioned about like really going into Umphrey shows super open minded. Yes. And ever since that conversation, you know, I've like thought about that and that's what I did with this weekend in Atlanta and Saturday was my 50th show and my husband's like, well, are you going to make a request? You know, are you going to ask for anything? And I'm like, no, you know, I'm just going to gonna go in open-minded and I'm just going to let them play and see what happens. And they played Band on the Run, which for me is such an important song from my childhood with my dad, who is the reason why I love all the music that I love now. So for them to play that that night was just, it, it just, even now talking about it just gives me goosebumps. It was just absolutely amazing. And, you know, I'm so happy that I didn't ask for anything because then if they would have played it, you know, I would have been disappointed. And I wasn't, you know, I was just absolutely floored when they, when they started playing it. So going with an open mind, you know, always, but um, yeah, <laughs> the fuzz, I'm definitely super happy that they played um, people. People were definitely complaining about that because they just played it at holidays, but it didn't matter, you know, because they totally killed Higgins in August uh, during night one. So that didn't matter at all. Absolutely. Did you notice that they dropped right into improv, right deep in improv a lot this weekend? Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah. Right away in a I lot just... of Higgins being one of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I um did were you at the entire VIP set? No, I I wandered in uh for Thin Air and Kimble and then we once they started Ringo I had to, we had a blast. We just the the first two and a half days were really tight for us. Had dogs to walk. Yeah, we we just, you know, we're two divorced guys. We don't have anyone helping us out on the dogs and we have a lot <laughs> of stuff going on, but um all right, now let's move on to your to you, do you have your top 5. I do have my top five, and I will tell you, this was probably, like, the hardest thing <laughs> I bet. ever. But fun. <laughs> fun kind of hard. Right? It was, it was, and I haven't, I haven't fully gone through everything yet. Um, I know the VIP set is still not up on Nugs. Um, I've been waiting very patiently for that, and it's not up there yet. Um, but, but it's yeah, on Facebook. This, it's on Facebook. It is on Facebook. Yes, it is. <laughs> Which I didn't find until like much later today, and I was like super sad about it. Oh, but that's fine. Um, your, your top five from the other four is definitely is definitely cool. All right. Very curious. All right. Awesome. Okay. Um. So in no particular order, because it's very uh very hard to kind of do a, a top five anyways. So in no particular order, um, I'm gonna go with in the kitchen from night one, um. The snow and the lights is just, that was just awesome. And the Carol of Bells jam, it just, listening to it even at home today, it was just, it was just blew me away. I mean, it was just so awesome. I mean, Waffle was just absolutely amazing all weekend. I mean, shout out to him. Big shout out to him. Um, we were in different parts of the tabby. This is the first time that we were there. And, I mean, he just absolutely lit that room up beautifully it was just it was so amazing so amazing um i like to point how it seemed like the snow was being belched out by the lights too sometimes yeah well and people were saying it was shaved soap i mean is that true did you hear anything about this no actually it was a cocaine that was left over from a show a couple weeks ago (laughs) yeah it was seth seth provided it right It was. It was. I don't know what it was, but it was. Uh, it, it at one point it got into my face though, and I started sneezing. And, and you, you know what yeah. else? If you were there, was one point where I was coming back from backstage, and it, it was actually more uh, vis- visually stunning if you were on the side or behind a stage and than it, if you're straight on. And I it think. wasn't Waffle controlling it. 
No, Waffle, Waffle's like, okay, no, sure. We'll... But he wasn't the one controlling it at right. all. Yeah. He, I think one of the band members or the band themselves. I think somebody was in Disney and saw it or something and came back and was like, we got to do this. Right, but my point is, who, who cares that, about that part, Rob? I'm talking about the actual execution of it wasn't Waffle. So it's kind of got to, had to have been interesting for Waffle to have someone else being able to add an effect to his lighting. Oh, speaking about someone else, you know how you had those new circles and all that stuff? Uh, Luke Stratton of the Bright Side podcast, he came in on Thursday and helped out with that as well. Thank you, Luke Stratton. Good man. Brilliant man. All right, Sarah, you got another moment? All right. Um, let's see. My number two um, is the Pink Floyd cover time from night one that closed out the second set. Um, I think... You know, bringing that one back after 139 shows, that was just the energy that was coming in the beginning of that. And Chris and Andy, too, the entire weekend, I mean, I just, you know, Chris has been killing it all year anyways, but I think, you know, the two of them are definitely the MVPs of the weekend. Um, And just, you know, the intensity. And I love when Umphrey's covers Pink Floyd anyways, so... Um, that was, that was very awesome. It's good to hear. That's why um, they do it. That's why they do it. If it makes yeah. the ladies happy, they should do it. Yeah. By the and, way, they also work so, in breathe reprise and on the run. Now they usually work in the breathe reprise thing, but the on the run, that was a little unusual, right? That that's Yeah. Like, and and you, go ahead. Well, and I was like wondering too, I'm standing there and I'm like looking at my husband, like all kind of like, you know, pensive and on my toes. I'm like, are they, are they going to? They keep going, or they're going to keep going. They did, and it was just—it was just amazing. Just so many moments this weekend. I just had goosebumps from, you know, just moments of them playing. It was just absolutely beautiful. I'd have to say, after this this run, it just as if I didn't already love this band enough. (laughs) It just, you know, kind of sealed it so much more for me, I guess. Okay, what's the next one? All right, um, I'm going to go with Made to Measure from Night 3 with Jeff Coffin. He just added so much to that. It was so beautiful the last, like, five minutes or so. And that's the first time they've played that in 2018, the only time it was played. So, you know, that one definitely a bust out for sure. Hadn't played since 2017. So that one was, was definitely a nice treat. Which which makes um, sense though because that's really that one is is so much better with the horns or with the horn. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely, and you know what? I didn't. I guess I didn't really realize it until um, you know, obviously, like listening to it, you know, when you're there and it's happening, and then when I listen back to it today, I'm like, this is just. It was just so silky and just sexy, you know, <laughs> like it was just so beautiful and i love when coffin plays with them um honestly i like coffin better than redmond with them you know it might not be a very popular opinion but um, i I do love coffin but you just made rob just just rob's a huge (laughs) redmond fan so but thanks thanks for getting that reaction that was great but but Jeff is amazing too and wonderful and he took us to a great place on the thirtieth. He's a, he's a good great 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 man. But I once drove fourteen hours to see Josh Redman play. I mean that guy is like up among the best ever to me. But go ahead. I'm sorry. To digress. <laughs> no no no. I I like Redmond too. I do. I just I feel like with um you know he just Kaufman Kaufman just adds a better just a better sound to them. I feel. But you know they're both both amazing players. Totally, um, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss anybody's talent at all because they're both very, very talented. Of so. course, and you're you're welcome to your opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, all right, I'm gonna also go with August from Night One. Good call. Great Again, call. Again, Andy and Chris, I'm telling you, are just amazing, and the jam that that starts in there, like. I'm like, mm, I'm gonna say like three or four minutes into it. It's just, it's, I just love this version of it. I have my 2018 Hall of Fame list going, and this one is definitely on there as a contender. Um, a peak Bayless yeah, moment was, of the weekend, perhaps. I, 
yeah, yeah, that could it could be definitely up there for sure. Absolutely, hundred percent. I would, I would, I would put that in in you know probably my my top top three. Um, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but that's definitely definitely a very high moment for him for that weekend for sure. And so I guess we have one more, huh? Oh, I'm going to guess it's Into the Kitchen reprise. <laughs> no, I'm going to guess that it's from New Year's Eve. Uh, it's going to be another horn song from New Year's Eve is my guess. No, it's Duh. not. <laughs> Go ahead. What is it? It's, all right. It's Cemetery Walk 2 oh, from right. Night 4, which I wasn't sure if I was going to put this on here. It was hard. I was kind of feeling like I wanted to put Roundabout on here. But I didn't want to do two covers. But Roundabout was amazing too. Another one I've been waiting for. Um, but that Cemetery Walk to from Night Four was just—it was just absolutely beautiful. Um, and then you know the end—I just love it when Brennan and Jake play off each other. Their chemistry, you know, between them is one of the things that I love the most about seeing Umphreys. Um, You know, when they're just in that just intense jam moment and the two of them are just they come together and they're just playing off each other and there's all this energy that's just coming off of all of it it's it's amazing i love it so and it's nice when we get the improv and the dance party vibe at the same time absolutely well and i don't know if you guys heard about the guy who got his foot stuck in the chair during cemetery walk too and basically had to have a whole section of people relocated so they could take the chair apart and get his leg out. What? Where was <laughs> this? I totally missed that. Sounds like something I'd do. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. It was, like, in the upper balcony Jake side, and it was actually my friend's row. And I'm talking to her after, you know, the show, Happy New Year, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, so this whole thing happened. And this guy, instead of taking the stairs down... He decided to start hopping over the chairs. We've all done that. And then, yeah, then got his foot stuck in the chair, and then security had to come and take the chair apart to get his foot out of it. Yeah, we've all done that, but when you do it, people, you have to put your weight on the front of the chair. The front of yeah. the toward the, the oh my and god and also give or it's your gonna dr- fall in on you come on rookie and I also feels, give your, okay. I hope he's okay give your drink to someone to hold jeez don't start spilling your fucking drink as you're going down those two but if you give it to Seth it'll get drunk too yeah so whatever I told you to get that red wine for me to drink bastard <laughs> bastard and it was only like the third song in like come on buddy there's three sets tonight we need to get it together like a little too early to be getting your foot stuck in the chair. Well, listen, Sarah, you are our teammate on Osiris. Ladies and gentlemen, go to OsirisPod.com. There's such a wide range of podcasts that if you can't find something you like, then it's not us, people. It's you. There's plenty of stuff to listen to, including the Umfreak Parents podcast. And, Sarah, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for having me. This is very, very awesome. And we'll see you again soon. Yes, absolutely. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Bye-bye. All right, Seth. So let's go on to the 30th. All right, Rob, just so you know, we have a little less than 20 minutes left on the uh, card here. So Okay. We can wrap this up. The next night started with... Uh, let me just tell you, before you start the 30th here. Yes. The 30th, to me, it, that second set of the... Th- the whole night was great. The whole night was there, quintessential Humphreys. This is a strong there is, show. There is, there is a very strong show, but they also had this, like... Late 80s, early 90s vibe going on th- throughout inside of their jams. I don't, and then, then it even went further. It wasn't just their jams, they're the wives of the band. Some of them were dressed up, and I was like, what's going on? And I think there might have been like an underground theme of like a, and I say late 80s, early 90s is kind of grungy, is kind of curie, kind of Fleetwood Mackie. Yeah, that too. I mean, so, okay, so with that said, okay, they open this with is thir- the, this is the day that we also spent the full day interviewing the band. So now what I also want to just close out my part is saying, talking to Jake, talking to Chris, hearing and learning from them, which you will find in our, in our next, uh, in our next episodes when we release that. Suddenly Seth was locked in. Yeah. I'm I'm hearing them in a different way because now what Jake was talking about, I'm seeing him actually do. And it's like, Oh, that's what he was talking about. 
yeah, so it was kind of neat. And, and I encourage anyone, it doesn't matter if you're a fan of the band or not, I encourage you to, in any of our shows, when an artist talks about something like this, when they talk about their playing and their performance, what they do, their approach, go back and listen to them and see if you can hear that. It's kind of a neat thing to do. But now, Rob, take it away. Okay, so here's it. They start with 1348, which is a song from Mantis. That was kind of the most Umphreys. People were saying this is the most Umphreys song on this record, you know, at the time, and um, it, it it it's a bit overplayed. It, it's one that's been pretty regular rotation since, and I'm a little burnt on it. But this was such a great version, and then the jam out of it was really cool. But then here's what you have: you have a we're going to talk about Slacker. That's the third song. In, but in but before we talk about that, in between Slacker again are two songs from It's You, the, the record I love, that just are okay live. They, don't just, they just don't work for me live that well. I don't know. It's, it's such a dichotomy between what works in the studio and what doesn't, at least for me. Um, that's seasons and push and pull. But on both sides of push and pull, you have Slacker, which, oh, my God, this was just superb. And by the way, speaking of the interviews, that has the line representative of the Midwest, which reminded me of the interview that we did with Louie, who works with Umphreys, who went from an Umphreak to an Umph employee and worked with Midwest peeps along the way. That was a big part of his development. So I thought about Louie and that representative of the Midwest. But this slacker, which is multi-sectioned, had improv, flowed so effortlessly, and then Utopian Fur, which rivals the first night's uh, Blue Echo as as like the, the sickest, most psychedelic moment of the weekend. I hope I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, let's see. Then Made to Measure that we just spoke about with Jeff Coffin, and then we got a little J- Jamiroquai. We got Corey Wong and um, uh, Coffin. Coffin. Coffin's still out there, and, they, they, and Myers sang the Jamiroquai classic. I guess it's a classic now, right? It's a classic. Virtual Insanity, 10, the first set. Fun, fun, fun cover. Probably a one-off, so I hope everybody enjoyed it. Second set opens with Little Gift, which we talk about with Jake in our interview. He he demonstrates to us uh, how Thin Lizzy influenced that one. Then we go into Ocean Billy, which, by the way, if I may real quick, uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Waffle's fiance was in town and, and had just flown into town. That's right. It's his fiance now, for you people who bitched about me asking if they were married. Losers. Yes, they are. You listen to me. They're engaged. They'll get married this year. Um, <laughs> but that's his showcase song. So I thought it was really cool that uh, the second his fiance gets here, they played it. But more importantly, ooh, dude, the Pearl Jam, the spontaneous that Joel has since on Twitter that's admitted right. was was spontaneous. They went into not just a Pearl Jam song, but the third song from the Mamasan trilogy, a song that. Hardcore Pearl Jam fans often respect, uh, excuse me, request, and it's called Footsteps. I don't even think it ever made an album. I think it's just the B-side. I mean, it might have made their live albums or whatever, but it is an uber nug from Pearl Jam. And Brendan, just out of nowhere, started strumming, and like it, it makes me think more that Seth is onto something with this. Maybe in, in the inner circle of Humphreys, there was some sort of theme that, uh, we, didn't, that we didn't know about. Um, man, that was pretty cool. That was, and you you picked it up right away, which I was surprised about. You just, picked that up, and you're like, this is Pearl Jam. I'm like, I don't know, maybe, could be. You know, when Jerry died, Pearl Jam was one of those bands that stepped in. I mean, there was feelings I would get at Pearl Jam shows that that sometimes rivaled, in some ways, the, the, the Grateful Dead thing. Just the passion of that fan base, the attention to the band, the, the way the, the feeding off each other stuff. I absolutely love Pearl Jam, even though I've only seen them once in like the last decade or so. Um, let's see, I'd... When they were, uh, Jake had some fun with the guitar when they returned to uh, Ocean Billy, and then he started throwing out these little flurries, and Myers starts peppering ratatats, and then that was when Brendan just out of nowhere started burn, burn, burn. And and it's moments like this that when someone's like, see, Rob's like a big Humphreys fan. I like Humphreys. I enjoy them. I wouldn't consider myself a big Humphreys fan. I'm a big fish fan. But I'm, you know, I like Humphreys, and I like him. But a lot can of I people, point out there's but, a ton of people on the board that that know them a lot better than I do. There's like thousands of people. But go on. But you know, for me to go three nights, even you know, I didn't go four nights, but three nights the same band. A lot of people would be like, "Why are you doing that? Like, why would you go see?" And it's like, you know what? It's because of reasons like this. It's not you go. It's not you go see him one night and you saw them. I mean, this this show was so different than the night before, which was so different than the night after. I mean, sure, there were moments that are very rock and roll and very metal and, you know, have kind of similar vibes and their signature sounds. But where they, they went somewhere else in this, especially that second set where we are right now. 
I think this show is is pretty quintessential Humphreys McGee, as I said. And and, the, and it was and, a Sunday night, so you know what they say, bro. Never miss a Sunday show. I don't know. There was a Sunday show recently that really lived up to that, though. What was that? Was it a fish show? Probably. There was some Sunday show that was ridiculous, and I was like, you know what? I guess sometimes it is true. Fish and Panic, they, they both they both live up to that. And now I'm freeze as well. All right, go on, Rob. All right, so way, um, we still got the Ocean Billy going on, and they took it out to It Doesn't Matter, which is a, kind of the instrumental of 2018, I guess. They started playing it in January, and this was like the 15th or 16th version. Another kind of cool, moody instrumental. Um, this one I kind of... It, 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 picked up on more quickly than Stinko's Ascension. The Stinko's Ascension has been a while for me to kind of get to a logging place. This It Doesn't Matter instrumental is very cool. Really enjoyed this one right from the uh, right from the get-go. And then they end up fil- finishing Ocean Billy. But here's the thing. Back when Zonky, which is a album of mashups. Here I thought they were doing a couple things from Zonky and it was wrong. Well, they rarely do, but they did, they did on one night do one um, called Can't Rock My Dream Face. Which actually was the lead single for the for the CD Zonky, which if you're into the Humphreys mashups and you don't own this, you uh, you need to, you need to get it. But anyways, this is it, they it's a mashup of the Weekends can't feel my face, Michael Jackson's Rock with You, and Fleetwood Mac's Dreams, and it was only this I think only the second time they played it. And isn't that where Antoine from uh, from Corey Wong's band, also from... Yes, Wolfpack. Um, he came out and uh, he was fantastic. I would have liked to heard him sing more with them. I, I was not a Wolfpack fan until recently, and I got to tell you, they wouldn't be over. And much like the first set started, the second set ends with a song I'm sort of sick of, all in time, but this was just a superb version. The energy was thumping, and... Ugh. Right till the very end. That's that's how you close a set. You know what I mean? It wasn't all in time and then Dan. It was just all in time. Boom. Slam. Kick us in the teeth. And then come back and triple wide, which is another dance party song. And then they, you may be onto something with the theme. They revisited Fleetwood Mac Dreams, which is part of the mashup that they had just played. But they basically jammed just with Dreams. First, they were toying with the uh, melody. But then later on, they went... They went right back and were singing it by the time they wrapped up and went back into Triple Wide and then finished 1348. Uh, superb Humphreys McGee concert, 123818. Get it on nugs.net. Yes, Seth. Right, this is New Year's Eve and we're done. Seth is so time caught. He's like Bayless looking at a clock. I feel like I'm working with Bayless. Okay, you know what, Rob? What, what are we, 72 minutes into the set, you, Seth? You always, you, if you talk to Alfred <sighs> McGee, you're always like, you, any, any band, you're like, oh, you always talk about how amazing they are about the clock. And here I'm telling you exactly how much time you've left to talk and you're crying like a little bitch. All right, now say, let's, let's say you went to let's S- say Sweetwater 420 and you were blown away by Humphreys who crushed a two-and-a-half-hour set to end that festival. And then you're like, oh, wow, they're coming to play New Year's Eve, and you don't go to the first three shows. You're like, I'm going to go see them on New Year's Eve. Well, then they would have opened with the same song that they encored with, The Silent Type. Although in the interim, the song's come a long way. It was more of just a, just the song. Now they're stretching on it, and the song is really starting to get its identity. And I didn't realize that it was one of the Stewart, Jimmy Stewart-developed songs. And by the way, um, Nachos for All, um, facts. At U-M-F-A-C-T-S on Twitter is going to put together a comprehensive thing with all the stews and where they all come from. He's also a great follow, as is Umfreaks Anonymous on Twitter. Check those out. Walletsworth, which still reminds me of Bonnaroo for some reason. And every time they play it, that's an old, I think, Anchor Drop song. Older, older Humphrey song that they used to play to death that they don't play much now is kind of a special one. We just heard Sarah talk about Cemetery Walk, which usually, if they do both Cemetery Walks, which are two songs from Mantis, there's a part one, which is if they if Humphreys plays Cemetery Walk part one, it indicates that Bayless is confident with his voice on that night because that's a tough song to sing. But Cemetery 2, go ahead. Uh, maybe that's why they did in the beginning of the night. Perhaps, but Cemetery Walk 2, usually if they do them both, comes after it, but they did it the other way around. They did Cemetery Walk 2, which is more of a dance party one, and which, as we said, they stretched, and it was beautiful, stunning interplay. Christmas at Wartime is a new instrumental that kind of, kind of interesting live. It was kind of, kind of, I don't know, it's gentle but spooky, that one, to me. Anyways, and then Roundabout, yes, um, the Yes cover, uh, 
you know, not as airtight as the first when they first did it a few years back, but still a, a adventurous and bold cover. Most bands don't top, touch songs like this because it's very difficult to play. Stasic in particular was having a really good time with the bass line. Uh, it was really well sung. It was really nice. And then Rocktopus, another one that is slowly growing on me. I do believe that's stew-sourced as well. I think that's one of the more recent stew-sourced. When I say stew-sourced, folks, for you casual listener, that's uh, the improvisations have long been called Jimmy Stewart's which I don't even though they're not really using that terminology anymore, the band sources, they actually even use their, they'll, they'll source their fans for examples of riffs that they come up with and then they frame songs around them and boom, it's a way of composing. The second set, New Year's Eve, opened with Draconian, which is currently my favorite. Humphreys McGee, certainly one of my favorite newer ones, has a really nice dark and light to it, always has good stretching. First of... Two very surprising and bold covers, I thought, was the Weather Report, River People. Very well executed. Um, my only complaint, I could have gone for a little more rudeness as it went along. It, it seemed kind of polite. The It's uh, from a Weather Report record called Mr. Gone, which was released about 40 years and three months before <laughs> this version. Um, Joel and Ryan led into it beautifully, and then the horns kind of quickly get into the mix, and then boom. Um, but it did seem a little reverential. You, what's a, what do they call the horns? A dirty what? <clears throat> Mad Dog's Filthy Secret is a three piece with a trombone, trombone sax and trumpet, and then Coffin was the fourth. And we met we met up with Coffin the night before, right after the thirtieth show. Went to a late night jazz jam. Do you remember the name of that place? Uh, Nine two two. It's uh, Kebby Williams from um, saxophone player from Derek Trucks Band. Or, Tedeschi Trucks band. And this young kid, Joshua Woods, bunch of young, great, great players. Yeah. Seth even got up and played trumpet. I did play trumpet. <laughs> and this is how good the players were, because Seth was actually doing pretty well, a lot better than I... I kept looking over Coffin, and Coffin seemed not surprised that Seth was doing okay. But he was kind of going in and out of key, and the friggin' musicians would go right with you, right? Yeah, they would. It was crazy. That's There's that, video of it, which probably will never surface. But the video, the best thing is about the video is it's, the video is taken by Jeff Coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is a fan of your trumpet work. Uh, Whistle Kids, really fun with horns, subtle. Subtle added horns. Whistle Kids also from It's Not Us. A fun song about uh, kids annoyingly uh, trashing, adding to the misery of hangovers with their whistling. Kids or neighbors, who knows? Uh, then we get to, yeah, okay, we're almost done. We get to my favorite part of the show, Gents into Looks. Gents is, a, is, is another newer instrumental. Very cool. Looks exploded. Looks is another one that is from It's Not Us that they were doing very, rather straight readings of, and then now they're stretching out, and this version, it exploded into Dr. Feelgood. I'm not a Motley Crue fan, but the room exploded. exploded. It was fantastic, and we were less than two miles from a strip club that is named in a Motley Crue song. You guys can look that one up. Fat Man in the Bathtub. I had a great time. It was fun to dance to live. Coffin ripped a killer solo. Because Little- you always think that song's written for you. I know, and I did plop my belly on the rail of the balcony at one point. Uh it was a little little messy, but it was fun. Comma later, and it's uh, it was tremendous. Uh, I feel rushed now, Seth. And then it's about time the Miles cover, which was the highlight of the weekend for me. That was a good one. That that they got really deep and really thick. That was a superb cover. Uh, leading up to midnight with first a hurt like a fifteen minute hurt bird bath three jams. Uh, no, another Humphrey song you never get sick of. That is maybe their signature song. Uh, everybody loves a hurt bird bath attachments, which. Uh, they also released a third CD called The B-Sides. Bunch of different, uh, you know, outtakes, couple live things, best of which is the attachments from St. Augustine last fall, which stretched out at the end. This one did a little bit to lead up to Midnight. Resolution, which I think is Humphreys McGee, is Sugar Mag. Even though it's maybe an obvious choice for Midnight, it's an appropriate choice, not just because of the name Resolution, because of the energy. Then they finish the In the Kitchen. Sweet little instrumental, Kula. Booth Love for the ladies and a really, I thought Booth Love, I was boogieing hard. I loved Booth Love. And then the NXS cover, What You Need. NXS cover was a, a great band when, when I was in college. It would bridge the different people. You, if you have parties, all different people. It was a band that everybody could at least tolerate at a party. I never became a huge fan and actually got sick of them because of radio airplay. But NXS is a fun band. And What You Need was that one. And then they did the little horns versus band battle. 
Which, what did you think of that, Seth? That was fun. It was cute. It was gimmicky, but it was cute. Yeah, it was gimmicky, but you had like that the horns would do In the Mood by Glenn Miller, and then the band would do The Ocean by Zeppelin, and then the horns did Voodoo Child, and the band did Outcast. It was just kind of cool. It was back- good, though. It was heavy. It was yeah. good. The horns did Donna Lee, which is done by, which is Charlie Parker's song, which I named my dog after my birdie, who is literally sitting adjacent to me as I do this entire thing. She is adjacent to me. Uh, you know, but I got my dog right here. I got My dog has not moved. Leo's just sitting here as like an armrest. And then they did Haji Mama Shama Shama Ha Ha Shama Ha Ha, which is one of Bayless's most affecting songs. I think it's Haji Mama Shite. And then Detroit Rock City with Chris Myers doing a hilarious Paul Stanley intro, including banter. And uh, they paid the fine. And they let us know it to it. They paid a fine because they went over, but they I were loving the crowd. Yeah. And it's Detroit Rock City, the Kiss class. I'm not even a big Kiss fan, but. Paul Stanley is my favorite part of the band, and that's a, that's a great song. So that's the run, Seth. Thank you, thank you yeah. for letting me do this. No, no, that's your thank you, and uh, that one listener that's still listening, thank you for Nugs.net <laughs> for recordings. Umphreys uh, com for the tour dates. Check them out. They're going to rip through the country this year, and hopefully they'll put out three more records. And we've got a lot in store for you all. We have, I mean, a lot in store for you. I'm not going to get through it all right now, but keep an eye out. It's going to be a big year, 2019, for Inside Out WTNS and you, our favorite listeners. Thank you to everybody who came to Atlanta for these shows. There was great energy in the building. I had a great weekend, and I love I love you, Humphreys fans. I just, like I said, the VIP gigs are fun and intimate, but when everybody's in the building and when the umflow is thick... That is the greatest, and you guys are all as much a part of it as the band. So thank you so much, and thank you for listening.
Hot Atlanta, drink some water. We're gonna take a short break. We got one more set till next year.